Welcome to the Zen Stoic Podcast, where we take philosophies of Zen and Stoicism that have been helping people for thousands of years, and we bring them into modern discussions to create mental wellness and vitality. Welcome back, everybody, to the Zen Stoic Podcast. I am here with a special guest today. I have Alex Simonelli, who is a great friend of mine and also the CEO and founder of the new company Daydream, which is a hemp-infused sparkling beverage that is releasing here in Toronto in July. Alex, thank you so much for being on the show, brother. Yeah, what an so, introduction. Thank yes. you. Yes. <laughs> it is an honor to have you, my man. <laughs> yes. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. So before we get started into this podcast episode, tell me a little bit about uh, just why you started Daydream and mm-hmm. basically what, what brought the idea to you? Because I remember when you told me, I found this fascinating, so I feel like it would really benefit the audience just to hear your whole why and philosophy behind it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So Daydream is basically a company that represents a feeling, um, and the beverage is basically infused with, uh, like you mentioned, hemp, ent- hemp, hemp extracts and adaptogens. So um, it's to increase your focus and, and to help you decrease your stress. But uh, more so, it's it lives kind of a mantra, which is to be in the present moment and to mm. live in the moment and to kind of capture this cans, that peace of mind or that moment. And uh, I think people take so many moments for other things and uh, this just reminds them to take one for themselves. Yes. Right? So, I mean, you, the moment you crack open that can, we want that feeling to kind of like resonate with you that it's like, oh, this is my moment for myself. I guess, you know, that's not so new in the in the product or branding world. I mean, you have like Kit Kat, take a break or, <laughs> right? Like there are a lot of like it, it, these kind of resignations, but like um, I think this is like a new, an exciting product vertical and like a really exciting market to be into. Um, the hemp and, and CBD product market, I mean. Yes, definitely. A ton of benefits um, to the product. And really, again, we didn't want to just market and, and ride the buzz, ride the wave. We wanted like a really good message mm-hmm. for the product because, I mean, everyone can just slap, slap the word hemp or CBD onto something, right? Yes. And it's like, what does the company actually stand for? What are they trying to accomplish? Um, so yeah, we want to be basically your partner in day perfection. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I like that. I like yeah, that. And, and I see the difference between something like this and Kit Kat because Kit Kat, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's take a break. It's not quite stay in the present moment. And it's, it's more of just a sugary rush that'll probably take you even more so out of the present. But this is something that has some real benefits health wise yeah. and will help you yeah. really get present. Yeah, yeah. We would actually consider our product a natural health product. Yes. Because uh, there's zero sugars, zero cows. Um, the actual adaptogens in there, like ginseng, shisandra, moringa, like they have actual benefits that range from increased focus, memory, cognitive abilities, yes. um, decreasing inflammation and stress, oxidization in the brain, which decreases stress. That's the, that's the moringa. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you could just like do ton of research on those alone. So even if you took out the hemp from our drink, like stand alone, it'd be a great product yes. and stuff. And uh, I really just want to share that bottling, that feeling mm. of being present, being in the present moment, create more, you know, dream more. I think that people, we've never lived in an age where we're moving so quickly and so much is demanded of us. Yes. You know, and it's like, at least if I'm moving slow, demand as much as you want of me, you know, <laughs> I'm moving as fast, fast paced, never been moving faster, but, and I have all this stuff demanded of me. And uh, so being present. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes so perfectly with the message you're spreading. Of course, I was just going to say, know? this is like the official beverage of Zen Stoic. <laughs> <laughs> just, just on the story alone <laughs> and the messaging behind it. It's very true. Yes, because I mean, everything that you just said in terms of bringing yourself to the present moment as well as being able to be focused and bring more awareness into whatever it is that you're doing, which is what a lot of these adaptogens do um, as a function in this drink, are very aligned with the principles that we talk about here because the Zen Stoic podcast and the, the whole philosophy itself 
is about creating mental wellness and vitality. So not just uh, you know the absence of problems mentally, like negative emotions and whatnot, but just overall vitality so that you can uh, not just be at a baseline, but really feel better, elevate yourself in, in some ways. Um, so I know that before you went into this business, you were involved in a lot of other businesses. Um, what ultimately drove you to come into this, this spectrum of, mm-hmm. of business from where you were? Mm-hmm. Spe- spectrum of businesses as in like the actual business or just like, the Like messaging? the CBD business and really mm-hmm. focusing on something like this. Because I know in the other businesses before there wasn't this type of uh, profound messaging. Yeah, definitely. There wasn't. <laughs> I think it just comes from like doing things that really matter to me or deciding I was going to move to something that really mattered mm-hmm. and move to something where I was totally in control of the messaging. Yes. Because like this product, for example, was completely developed like in the labs um, at my university with our team. and. So we, we developed everything from scratch. So like even the product and how mm. we wanted it to be made and what we wanted to do, um, that was all developed. And I think a lot of the businesses I was doing before was more for like an outcome or more because I thought I needed to succeed and make as much as I could mm. make to live a good life. And I've, I kind of hit that threshold point where I'm like, okay, you know, I can keep going comfortable w- with businesses that, but I'm not in control of those messages. I'm not in control of the product or what I'm selling. Or I can completely make something from scratch that I want to sell. Yes. Um, and in a vertical too that I think like the customers of this stuff is, are like the customers for this industry are really cool people mm-hmm. to begin with. And, and uh, you know, so I think it just stemmed from wanting deciding to take that leap to do something, kind of take a little bit more control of all of the areas of the business. Right? Yes. Um, and then I can just be more responsible for them as well, right? Like a lot of times... Um, in the other areas of, of my businesses, because you know I did like a lot of sales, right? Yes. So let's say I was selling like home retrofitting products, right? Mm-hmm. Energy products, energy panels, right? Any uh, solar panels, rather, mm-hmm. um, energy equipment retrofits. You're not very much in control of any of really yeah. anything. Any of that uh, messaging whatsoever. No, no, you're really not. All you're in control of is like how the customer feels when you leave, mm-hmm. which is the reason I was so successful, I think, in that because I really learned to be responsible for that, like. You have a bad experience with a customer. It's not like, oh, screw this customer. They don't understand it. It's like, mm-hmm. what am I? How am I portraying this that they're not understanding it? Like, where is my? Where am I falling through in my sales funnel or whatever? Right. Yes. But I really just at this point wanted to control the whole message mm. and create everything I could from scratch. And so the company actually started from uh, from a research standpoint, and we yes. still are. Like, we're doing a lot. We invest heavily in R and D. And um, so, I mean, like the product is just like the facelift yes. that everybody gets to see, you know what I mean? And the research is like the really exciting part as well. Yeah, That's one of the things I really uh, respect and admire about your process is because, you know, for, for everybody here listening, as you can hear from his process and what he's doing, he's not here white labeling a product and just slapping yeah. the name hemp or CBD on it to, to just ride the wave. There's of, about like a thousand people in right. doing that that I'm getting ads for, yeah. seeing accounts <laughs> pop up on the you know, 100%. Socials. So so I really like the fact that you're coming from scratch because you are basically creating this uh, on your own terms, right? You are One thing that we talk about a lot with Zen Stoicism is the idea of cause and effect. And if, from a business standpoint, a lot of people or very few people are willing to operate at a, at a place of cause where they are really creating everything from scratch. They're really taking responsibility instead of, instead of riding the success of someone else or riding the, the foundations of someone else. So I think that's yeah. really cool that you did that. It's true. And another It's thing, very tough to do that though. It, it, it is very tough. That's mm-hmm. like the 0.001% who are willing to even do that. Yeah, Most because people, 90% of the time you won't be riding anything. You'll realize like you're just failing yeah. and you have to totally look at yourself and go, okay, yeah, how, how do it. I, yeah, like, what, what am I doing here? You have nobody to blame either, right? Like of at course. that point. 
that, that was a funny because a lot of my other businesses, like whether it was sales or my own like ideas, I'd always partner with people. This one I really tackled starting alone and mm-hmm. my dad's something funny to me when I started. He's like, hey, at least this time, you know, like if you fail, it's totally on you and if it's you succeed, totally- it's totally on you. And I'm like, yeah, it's very true, right? Because like coming from businesses, you're working in large teams and stuff. But I'm already finding now, like as we're growing this, there's already so many team members and influential mm. people, key people coming in and, and really seeing the vision and like yes. wanting to be a part of it. So it's already turning into something more than just yes. uh, just myself. But but yeah, um, I mean, I think what you're doing is great too because like I feel like these are con- concepts that are in, you know, books or hidden away, mm-hmm. you know, in certain texts or books, especially Zen and Stoicism mixed together. Like those are two of my favorite topics, I think, yes. or like I've, I wouldn't say my absolute favorite, you know, but two of my really, really favorite like philosophical topics, mm-hmm. you know, to study. Just like the, the idea in Stoicism that I always like hold with me is like, you can only control your own hand. Yes. Right? Like how you play it. Yes. But like you couldn't control the hand you got. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's not like we're playing a game where it's like, yeah, just reshuffle and re-give me my hand. It's like, there's absolutely no way to reshuffle this hand in life, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I like that you're showing people the power and just accepting their own hand, but like how to be the most resourceful, or I guess, you know, I don't want to convolute your- No, man, your, that, that's, that's right on, like on target mm-hmm. with, with what you're saying. It, it is a message that we put out there and uh, especially with the stoicism, right? Playing your own hand and playing it well versus complaining about what hand you didn't get. Yeah. Or comparing it to somebody else's hand. Like, you wanna make sure that you're playing your hand to the best of your ability. And in addition to that, also practicing the Zen element of non-attachment, right? Not Mm, being attached to an outcome, but rather being able to be present in what you're doing. You know, I've seen you work hard on a lot of ventures, but I've never seen you work like this with with the sense of, you know, conviction and purpose the way that you are doing here because Thank this you. is your message. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it, you you moved from a place of attachment based on what you were saying before in terms of like just going out and making the money, making the sales, getting the outcome mm-hmm. to like, no, this is a message that I'm creating and, and cultivating and, you know, I'm bringing it in this direction. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to change my approach. But at the end of the day, it's all on me. Yeah. And so it, it's a much more Zen way to do business, I would say. Interesting. <laughs> Because yeah. it's not attached to to a specific outcome, but it's more so like this is the path that you're creating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every, every so often you start to get attached to some sort of outcome, mm-hmm. like whether it's just like a marketing campaign you're doing, you're like, oh, this is the way this needs to go, or yes. like you know, bigger, big, really big goals for the company. But I try to like not get too attached to it because mm-hmm. like I always feel like when I do get attached to something, I like 99% of the time don't get that outcome. <laughs> yes. Like 99. And when I'm just really like open to possibilities of things happening, stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, wow, mm. like that's, this is, look at this connection I just made or this and that. And I never thought that was coming. So it's like, how come every time I have a, some sort of attachment to some outcome, it just never happens? So it's like, I just got to stop making those, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's the attachment itself that is yeah. kind of dwindling your performance. As um, well, so yeah, from, the pressure oh, of yeah. hitting it as well, yeah. And in your perspective, why do you, like, why do you think that is? That when you're not mm-hmm. attached? It's such a tough question, dude, because like, shouldn't I have, like, shouldn't business owners, if we're just talking to business owners in general, shouldn't we have goals? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, shouldn't we have things we focus on yes. attached to? It's like I do in a way, right? But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. 
I guess it's just a weird way that the mind or the world works. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. Maybe I'm bringing that. Maybe I'm bringing it too spiritual now as well. Saying like the universe. I think when you have like an intention for something, mm-hmm. and you set a course, definitely people see yes. the authenticity of that, and and more opportunities open up too, just from unknown forces. I mean, what what's your perspective on that? I'd like to hear it. it it's interesting that that you bring it up, just because. Um, I was actually writing about this yesterday. Um, during the time of this recording, I was actually writing the Zen Stoic Guide of Inner Peace. Mm-hmm. So in, in that guide, we talk about attachment and how the approach to things that will bring you more of a sense of inner peace and allow your performance to be better Got is it. to be unattached. Now, that doesn't mean don't have ambitions, don't have goals. Don't, it doesn't mean not to want something that has never been done before. But what okay. it does mean is that instead of attaching yourself and validating yourself based on the success of a future outcome, mm-hmm. instead the mentality is this is the direction that I'm choosing to go in and I'm going to test what works until I get there. So but then, so are you saying like still be attached to things but the right things or you're just saying don't be attached to like anything, just well, have like that there, path, like know right. the path that you're on? Yeah, like there, there's, there's a purpose of. and an aim to the path. So mm-hmm. you have a vision for your company, for instance. Of course, yeah. Now, you're not basing your self-worth on the success of that vision, but instead what you're doing is saying, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go this way. And every action is not, I hope I get to that thing. Every action is, I'm going to test and see if this works to get me a little further. Mm -hmm. And then if it doesn't, I'm going to change my approach. I'm going to do it again. That way you remain fully present and not self-validating based on the outcome. This is very much the mentality of somebody like Thomas Edison. Okay. Right? When people would ask him, you know, there's, there's that story that gets repeated all the time where people is like, you know, why did you keep trying to make the light bulb after a thousand times of failing? He's like, I didn't fail. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) You know what I mean? He was figuring out ways not to make a light bulb. Right. So his mentality was more so testing a hypothesis of getting to a particular outcome versus being attached to the outcome. And that's more so the way that I look at it in terms of keeping yourself in a place of presence and inner peace while working on something that's important to you. Yeah, for sure. At least that, that, that's, that's how I've been able to break it down. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm getting like so much inspiration. <laughs> Where's that's, my notepad? I don't notepad. That's awesome, um, man. But, and I mean, I think like for some people too, they might say, oh, well, that's easier said than done. Like, what if I don't have the resources to make a thousand light bulbs? Mm. You know? And it's like, okay, touche. So it's like just you also do have to kind of make sure that each variation that you make yes. of your test light bulb let's mm-hmm. say, or your widget, whatever you're making, is like, yeah, you're not like blowing all the chips on that, mm-hmm. right? Because like you need to like ration your resources wisely, Correct. right? But I think what you're saying is that he wasn't attached to an outcome, like he didn't look at, he didn't look at it as failing. Right. Right, he just looked at it as not, not a working light bulb. Yes. And then problem solving, like reverse engineering, okay, how do I get there? Yes. Right, so. Yeah, and I definitely agree that that's like key. I just think it's also tough in today's in today's day and age too, right? Mm-hmm. To have the resources to try. I guess if it's self development, you can keep trying as many times as you want because mm-hmm. this is like all in your head, like the self development, right? Of course. Um, but when you start attaching like your self development and your worth, like you said, to actual material things, mm-hmm. this is where you could uh, really break the bank all because you have a wrong mentality on something and you can yeah. start self-validating and wasting money on an idea or on a business or an investment, whatever it is, because you're self-validating and saying, no, 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 this Based is on the right. Outcome, yes. Yeah, this is the right thing to do, even though it's absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people like absolutely lose fortunes doing that, mm-hmm. which is like terrifying to me. I think that's like my biggest fear. 
It's yeah. like betting it all on one investment and then just like the whole thing like not working and like the whole time through I was like con reconvincing myself yeah. that it was right. You like, have this oh, conviction. That is like my worst nightmare. Yeah. It, I think soundboarding helps with that too. It, it Having most friends like does. yourself, like people I can go to. Yes. Be like, hey, what is it? How does this sound? Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Instead of just being trapped in my own head and like coming up with these ideas and not mm -hmm. knowing if it works. Right, because like you'll even bring it to market, and market will tell you it's not working, and then you'll just be like, "But that's because they don't get this. yeah, they don't like, get it." Like, like they, yeah, it's like well, they're really? the ones who are gonna buy it, so yeah. you should probably adjust it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That that that's one of the principles that I have. So, so there's a few things that you said there that I think were really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, one, if somebody's talking about how well I don't have the resources to do that, you know, that that much in terms of my approach to mm -hmm. to get to my outcome. Um, so this actually brings up another point where it's important to practice practical grandiosity, meaning to operate just slightly outside of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. If you get into what is called fantastical grandiosity and you become attached to that fantasy that you are envisioning yourself and you start to feel entitled to it, you start to create this whole story, then yeah, you'll blow all your money on one idea that's just not working. Totally. So you want to have practical grandiosity as well as you know, a mindful skepticism of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at things, you're operating just outside of your comfort zone, you're being mindfully skeptic about, you know, testing things, not just blindly believing that they're gonna work. Mm -hmm. And I think when you become mindfully skeptic, you start to weed out a lot of the people that you, that you shouldn't be working with Correct. naturally. Because you start to see these people that are putting too much pressure on you or on that grandiose thing, mm -hmm. and are trying to maybe work with you for the wrong reasons or sell you the wrong yes. ideas, and you no longer can be sold on these things because you know exactly what you're looking for, you know, Correct. like you, I think you, yeah, I think you really start to end up like figuring out the path or the people that you need to work with yes. on that path. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the, that's the whole idea of, of at least how I look at it. Cause I'm looking at it at least recently, I've been looking at it through the point of view of how do you work on a goal? How do you chase an ambition mm -hmm. while maintaining a sense of inner peace? Cause it's not easy to do that because you do get wrapped up in the vision. You do get wrapped up in the outcome and you can get attached to it but it's about being able to become unattached. Um, and when you become unattached, you are able to bring your best self to the table. So another piece of something that you said when you were talking about the market and how they're responding to something, yeah. if you look at that, the, the Zen Stoic principle on that is to be a student of your reality and your results, not of your imagination and ideals. Because hmm. yeah. most people, when they get attached to a vision, it's because they're being a student of their ideal or their imagination and they're living in their head versus actually living out here in reality. In the real world. Right. Yep. And and just you know, taking honestly what's what's coming at them and going, okay, let me I'm gonna change my approach in this way. Mm -hmm. So it's almost as if like instead of things being goals, it's almost as if a better phrase for it would be ambitious hypotheses. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like totally. I'm just or like vanity it becomes like a vanity project. Right. Versus like a real, like, did you really care about what the market thought of your CBD thing? Yeah. It's like, well, then why didn't you listen to them here, here, and here? Like when they were like signaling, right? Yeah. It's like, oh no, because I thought this is the best. Like, well, then that's just like, yeah. what's that based off of, right? It's just like ego or vanity, yeah, I guess. It, yeah. It, it's, totally. you know, always thinking that you're the expert. Mm -hmm. I always talk to a lot of my, my business owning clients who I tell them the, the biggest mistake experts make is assuming that they know what people want. Yeah just because they're the expert. You know, it's important to survey people, it's important to get feedback. And be able to take that feedback on without taking it personally. Yeah. Understanding that, hey, that's just how they feel. So listen to them if they're yeah. your market and deliver. Totally. That's it. <laughs> totally. I think that's like the first thing any startup should do as well for any of your startup mm -hmm. listening. 
yes. uh, audience or startup audience members um, is like you should really go to the market. It's like I'll, they always just say like what you think doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And it's like not to be insulting, <laughs> but like what you think doesn't matter. It's like people would always say that like my professors and stuff. Yeah. It's like because it really doesn't, you know, because mm-hmm. even if you think you have the best idea or the best product, like the market is going to really decide. So it's like go and do surveys and stuff. Yeah. Back to the resources thing, too. I also feel like if you're really determined, detached from the outcome Mm -hmm. um, and accepting of your own hand, like just you end up accepting it, realizing this is my hand, Mm -hmm. you'll and and you'll start to create resources that you like that you never even realized that you had. Mm -hmm. I think that we're like a hundred times or maybe that's a lot, maybe like 10 times more resourceful than we actually think we are. Mm Like most people don't go and put it all on the line and actually try to like yes. tap into all their resources mm-hmm. before like they say that they don't have any resources. Yes. People will be quicker to say, I don't have any resources mm-hmm. or like, I can't do it's this. It's easier to say that. Oh yeah. <laughs> than to test. Oh yeah. No <laughs> one will got. go and tap into real resources. It's just like, you know, like we're all six degrees separation, right? We mm-hmm. all know different people. I mean, like even if it doesn't align with your end goals for a company let's say you're starting a company and the only way to get it past a certain hump is to like give a portion of it away but you didn't want to it's like yeah but are you more obsessed with what you own or are you more obsessed with completing that goal you know and if you don't have the resources right now it's like what other options do you have Mm -hmm. and then put yourself in a world where your company sucks so much that no one even wants to give you money for it and then it's like you then you'd be wishing for one of the realities (laughs) you're in right now you know so first you know so i think for startup owners it's like we can get into so many mental wrestles or mm-hmm. grapples with this python that is like our own mind you know yes but if you start looking at it from different perspectives a lot of times like options pop up that you're like well that's actually a really good option yes but from one perspective it's you won't want to accept that option or whatever mm-hmm. reason i'm bringing this up is because our company's at like a stage where we need to raise money mm-hmm. right um as i mentioned to you like off off air and then you know it's like for me personally it's always like uh oh, I have to keep as much of the equity until later on when I really need it. And it's like this imaginary thing when I really need it, you know? Yes. Uh, or I can't give this away for, for this much or this, that. And, and it's like, there are certain humps that you need to get by and you need to really make these like key decisions. Mm. Um, and, and it's like, again, terrifying. You don't want to make the wrong decision, mm-hmm. right? So I, I just go back to like the surrounding myself with people that are smarter than me yes and always like running by like my advisors mentors people that i know and and getting all of their perspectives Mm -hmm. right before i make any sort of decision like that but and that's been helping me of course helping me recently as well it's it's really important to do that to seek counsel because Mm -hmm. you got to think about I like the way you put everything so, it sounds so great. Seek counsel. I love yeah, it. you seek counsel. It's not, you're, not, you're not even seeking like validation from people, but you're totally. seeking uh, counsel or soundboarding. Or unvalidate. Yeah, yeah, you want them to unvalidate what you're saying. That's like, right. Please unvalidate it. Because, you know, we all have this voice in our heads, and this is one of the things that you deal with a lot when it comes to like meditation and stuff. You deal with the, the quieting of this voice. Because mm-hmm. the voice doesn't stop. It just, it keeps talking, it doesn't shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> I've been having a hard time recently with all the pressure of like new company. Like, yes. Like uh, quieting it down. Yeah, you know, and part of the way re- you do that. On yeah, it. part of the way you do that is seeking counsel by getting a, an objective look at yourself mm-hmm. versus just staying stuck in, oh, I'm right and this is my idea, this is my dream, this is my vision, so I must be right. Mm-hmm. Like, Maybe when, some of the time. <laughs> question, when do you uh, get, in your opinion, get to a point, though, where you can trust yourself enough that, like, you um, 
don't waver on yourself on times when you shouldn't be, right? Because I mean, there will be times when like maybe someone gives you a perspective or a thing says you should do something some way, but you're so, I guess you have to master these principles first mm -hmm. really feel secure in your own like intuition. Yes. Maybe, I don't know. Like there must be a point when like you don't need, or does everybody always need well, the soundboard all the time, right? No, th this is when I'd say you, you need the soundboard. Either one, when you don't think anything could possibly go wrong is mm -hmm. when you definitely need a soundboard. <laughs> yeah. When you feel really right about something is a good time. Um, also when you, you know, when you have shortcomings, when you come up on losses. The other thing that's really important to focus on too is to trust yourself and test your assumptions. Instead of accepting them blindly, like test them. Like if you're so sure, so sure and so mm -hmm. certain, then sure, do it that way. Do it the way that you think and see what the results are. But yeah. pay attention to the results. Yeah. And, and if, try to test with as minimal downside as possible. Of course, you know, protect your downside <laughs> yeah. in, in terms of your, your testing, but, but do, do what you can because you do want to make, make sure that you can trust yourself. You don't want to be hesitating or always asking somebody uh, for their opinion or advice because at the end of the day, you got to realize that you're an adult, you got to make your own decisions. Yeah, and you're in a relationship with yourself. Yes. Like you might not trust yourself at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then you have to ask yourself, why don't I? Yeah. Well, it's like, well, it's like, and if you're that aware and you're asking these questions, I think you're like way ahead than most people. Yes. But if you're already like, I've had moments where I ask myself like, oh, like, why don't I want to do this or that? And it's like, well, I mean, I'm, that means I'm growing up in yeah. my opinion, right? Because I'm able to see that like I made really rash or stupid decisions or impulse mm -hmm. decisions or buys or whatever, right? Yes. And uh, so I think that's, that kind of self-reflection is like, has been a big, big, uh, learning curve, mm -hmm. you know, being able to self-reflect until I guess you get to a point where you have this relationship with yourself where you're like, you can really trust. Cause I hear entrepreneurs talk about it all the time. Like their intuition, mm -hmm. they like, absolutely. I think it was like even Robert Herkovich. Yeah. Right. He's talking about that in one of his books he wrote or something. I remember just skimming through it and he literally, when he gets his intuition, that's mm -hmm. always is what he does always. But he's like, it took me forever to get to the point where number one, I could even hear it. And then number two, that I had like the guts to mm -hmm. like, just listen to it every time. And I just think that's so wild. Cause I'm like, I'll hear something in my head and I'm like, is that my intuition <laughs> or is that the rash me? Cause yes. I know he's there, you know, I'm like, is that like the really rash and impulsive me? Yes. What's like, you know, so I've, I've, uh, somewhat figured out how to tell the difference between the two. Share and your, you tell share me your secrets. Tell me if you agree with this. Okay. Um, this is what I at least I've noticed. When it's my intuition, it's mm -hmm. it's as if it's a it's this voiceless voice. It's like a very quiet voice, more of a feeling than a voice. Yeah. But it's like this very subtle, huh. centered, calm feeling towards a specific direction. When it is my emotions mm. and my arrogance, it is this loud, passionate, like, yeah, we're gonna fucking do this. <laughs> it's one of those voices. It's so true, oh my gosh, yeah. That's what I've noticed the difference is. Mm. Uh, because the second voice, it goes into a, a passionate state. And in Stoicism, Stoicism is, uh, they, they, they avoid passion. They say to be full of, wow, full of yeah, love, yeah. yet free from passion. And the reason being is because passion, a state of passion is an uncontrollable emotional state. Wow. Not to say that passion doesn't function, mm -hmm. but you don't want to be driven solely by, by passion, passion because it's that's all emotion. It's very platonic as well. Yes. I remember Plato would actually just say that like he didn't like poetry or he didn't like plays. Mm -hmm. He thought it was like like scum because he was like, that's just like letting people tap into this like passionate, irrational side of them. And that mm -hmm. is not like where they make decisions based on good things from, you know, like you're of not course. making good. 
That's funny that you say it. So stoicism similar in that sense. Yes. That, but, that, but, but you do want to take advantage of passion because passion sometimes I feel like will make you run a lot faster. Oh, yeah. Like when you feel like you don't have energy in you, mm-hmm. it's the passion that will get you up and run faster. But maybe even that's an irrational thing it, in a way. It can be, but I, I mean there, there's a balance there, right? The, the way that I've always seen it, especially with Zen stoicism and the combining of those two, it is to guide your inner voice with logic and reason. So it's, yes, I mean, listen to that intuition, listen, I mean, some of those emotions might be giving you a signal that, hey, press forward on whatever it is that you're doing right now, like really go after it. Mm -hmm. But it's to also guide it with logic and reason so that once again, you're protecting your downside. And that can be in business, but it could also be in relationships. It could be with career decisions. It could be anything of that nature, but it is to always essentially be reflecting and monitoring like testing yourself, testing these feelings, seeing if they're coming from a place of sincerity or if they're just coming from a place of wanting, you know, other people's opinions to be more fond of you, that feel. Yeah, So, uh, and I mean, it's just like follow the trail, right? If you ask yourself, am I doing this because of this? Yes, no, am I doing this because of this? Yes, oh, I'm doing this because I want people to look at me this way? Yes, okay, why? that's a terrible reason yeah, yeah. to build this decision off of, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I do believe that passion has its place, but I, I, at, at the same time, I always advise against allowing it to run all of your decisions. Because mm-hmm. that that's basically puts you into an, impulsive, an emotionally impulsive type of state of mind. 100%, yeah. And so that, that, mm-hmm. that's one thing that's really important to think now, about. My, like Zen, like, um, doesn't Zen say, because you said, like, let go of the outcome, right? Mm-hmm. And take yourself away from all attachments, right? Yes. And I and like I I think back when I was like eighteen or nineteen, like I really started liking Zen and Buddhism mm-hmm. and reading a lot of it. Um, I remember. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were, we were like a lot uh, of our conversations and yeah, like when yeah. we first uh, started mm-hmm. hanging out were around that. Exactly. But I actually found that like, and it was this book I read, "The Religion of No Religion" by Alan Watts, mm. that really put me onto this way of like the middle path. Mm. And he's like, oh, the per-, and one of the quotes in the book said, oh, the person that goes the complete right path. Mm-hmm. right is exorbitant and materialistic and totally out there mm-hmm. and you try to have a conversation with them and they feel vapid and 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 vacuous like they're empty yeah and and boring right but then there's the person who goes all the way to the left which is like totally unattached from material items and is like this monk who sits on the top of the hill you know mm-hmm. and and it is away from everything as well and like he's also too far on the path you yes. know that he, it's it's he's lost all sense of like reality that is like mm-hmm. right in a way as well and it's like the best either way either option that you take you'll usually find that like you always come back to the middle path yes right which is like a balance of both of those two of paths course. you shouldn't feel like you need to go to any extreme mm-hmm. in 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 life and like i think that was um that was yeah that was an alan watts book that i've been I read listening a while to a lot ago. of alan watts lately so <laughs> have you yeah like a lot of his stuff yeah. on youtube he or, pops up yeah he's great you know like it, it just rest in peace alan yeah I just listened to to a couple of his videos recently, and and it's it's very captivating because he does put things in a very simple way like that. Mm-hmm. And one of them was talking about the middle path, and it kind of leads me to this. Like I normally would say, like there's no such thing as a right or wrong answer. But if there, if I were to say what is a wrong way to do things, mm-hmm. it's the path of extremism. Yeah, but, totally. <laughs> that is the yeah. only, to me, the only wrong way of doing things. Yeah. Is, is to be an extremist on something, to put so much faith into one side of things mm-hmm. that the narrative now controls you versus you <laughs> using the narrative to your advantage or mm-hmm. to serve you in some way. 
you're now being controlled by this ideology, so to speak. Interesting. <clears throat> yeah, it's something that I, I talk to clients about all the time. You know, like I had one client, um, he was having trouble connecting with his, uh, his daughter and his wife. Mm-hmm. And I was explaining to him, and this, this is a typical thing that comes up, especially with my like male entrepreneur clients. They, like, they kick ass in business, but then they have problems with their relationship. They're not able to really connect because mm-hmm. in their business, they're problem solving all day. Mm-hmm. And they take on the identity of a problem solver. Putting out these fires. Right. But yeah. when you're talking to your, you know, your female companion or, or your daughter, the f- feminine energy doesn't necessarily want you to solve the problem right then and there in that moment. You, mm-hmm. it's, it's about understanding it communicating it like having a thorough understanding and sitting with it for a moment Mm -hmm. and then solving it not just immediately solving it so he's not connecting and i and he's like yeah you know i just you know i just go to solve the problem and they're like you don't understand and i'm like of course (laughs) they're saying that (laughs) and i and i explained to him you know the identity of a problem solver is not who you are it is an identity that you use so don't Mm. let it use you the personas right Mm-hmm. Don't allow it to use you. Use it when it's appropriate. Use it when it's going to function. But don't allow it to use you and dictate how you're going to be. You're more than just this identity. That's a construct. Yeah. Right. So, and and I think we take on the same thing in business. Oh, totally. You know, like yeah. I for sure have been one to be like, oh, I'm an artist, but like, it's just a hat, man. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I'm an, like, like, um, like your business is your art to the world. Yeah, yeah. Like, thing. like. My function in my business is I'm the artist, like I'm the creator, but that doesn't mean I can't be a manager. It doesn't mean I can't take an mm-hmm. entrepreneurial role or anything like mm-hmm. that because at the end of the day, it's just an identity. Yeah. It's, it's a hat that I wear. Mm-hmm. I wear it a lot, so I think it's attached to my fucking head sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but at Forget the end of the day, the it's a hat. the mask is on sometimes. Exactly. It gets glued on. Yes. Yeah. But we can, all, we can all remove that because this whole idea of self and identity is something that we construct through our life experiences and mm-hmm. through what we get rewarded for most. And the ones that we feel like we're getting pain from, we let those go or we dim them away. Yeah. <laughs> we don't quite reach for those. Totally. So uh, I'm curious, because I know before you, you really dove into the business, you were doing a lot of traveling. You did some traveling in Asia. Yes. Um, what, what were some of the biggest things that you learned from traveling around? Um, actually, the most recent traveling I did was in Germany. Um, I lived in Germany over the summer. Oh, yeah? This past summer. Uh, yeah, 2018. So. Mm-hmm. Um, for, th- for two and a half months, it was supposed to be three months. By the end, I was like, I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, it was okay. It was wild. I'll preface like, like I usually go into my travels with no expectations mm-hmm. for anything really. So um, I might be a bit hard on Germany. Yes. You know, because like I did initially go with no expectations and. Uh, I uh, went with a buddy of mine, and we were like trying to choose between destinations. We're like, why don't we go Amsterdam or here, London? Or... And we ended up just choosing Berlin, Germany, mm-hmm. because it had a really cool art scene and a really cool vibe. Um, and I just, through my, tra- I think my traveling, I kind of learned that like you're going to see things that you really like, and you're also going to like see things that make you feel really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I like love both of those, both of those ways. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the trip, I really wanted to just get back home and get to work. Because like I was there with a lot of let's just say like around environments that like will really push you to just mm. be like really 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 free, yes. but it's like the paths that I was just talking about. Yes. Like I recognize that that path is there for some people, and I recognize they're on that path, and that's cool mm-hmm. that they want to be on the fir- that I think it was the left in my in my yeah. Alan Watts story, right? And I recognize that they might look at Toronto or like certain places as far right, like, oh, mm-hmm. look at all these people when they're beamers and things and when their suits coming from work and they're nine to fives. And I get that, and that's, like, the far right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, like, I needed to come home to go to that either, 
but I just felt like there I was, I could totally see a very comfortable environment. Like that would totally be the place I would go live mm -hmm. and the environment I would be in if I wanted to go far left. Yes. Kind of let go of the attachments. So doing that for a couple months was like purity, you know, because it mm -hmm. did purify you. But then when you start feeling like you're too far on that Richter scale, mm -hmm. you also start to like identity crisis. You go like, well, hold on, like a part of something of value that's important to me is going home and building a business. Like yes. that, making a home base, mm -hmm. you know? And like low key, I love Canada. I think it's great. Yeah. Like people will talk shit about it. So Europe's the best. <laughs> no, man, this country is great. Dude, this country is amazing. Like I talked to people, uh, even just one day I was talking to an Uber driver and they were like, oh my God, like since coming here, like my life, it's like a, like perfect, like where I where was before, like literally I saw my neighbor get shot in the face, like these crazy stories and you just don't realize that like, am I waking up today, bullets flying in my windows? No, am I waking up today, I don't, I don't have like, uh, communities to go spend time with people, resources to go build a business. Mm -hmm. And if you did build something valuable, here's like there's the resources, the economy to buy it from you so yes. you can retire. Like there are other places you can even, you can't do valuable things because there's no one there to value it. Right. Right? Which is the So there's so much to be grateful for. There's so much to be grateful for that people I think just like put down and like shit on Canada mm. or Toronto or North America because it is run by like a corporate culture. But I think it's like understanding that you can like, play the corporate culture to like to your own benefit mm -hmm. you know and you can make it to like a position where like you can kind of just be like f off you know because mm -hmm. i yes i worked hard to get to this position and so i think like traveling anytime i'm away for an extended period um i get past like the I get past like the magical, oh my God, it's so magical wherever the I am. Like, yeah, the romanticism, exactly. And I realized that like, I am really grateful and want to want to go home. But um, yeah, so it was, it was really wild there though, seeing that kind of side of life. Yes. Dude, in Germany, there are parties that go like 72 hours. <laughs> like, like I know we're taking this off of philosophy here. Yeah. I don't know, maybe there's something to get. No, no, there's so. definitely something here around <laughs> that. I, I have, I have a lot I could say about that. <laughs> 72 sure. hours, man. They start on Friday. Yeah. You get there and you leave like Monday morning. I think that's longer than so that's an entire. Hours. I mean, so that that goes into a lot of things <laughs> that you want to avoid from a philosophical perspective. Like one of them being <laughs> one of them being indulgence. I mean, like, listen, I'm not against partying. I'm not against having fun and mm -hmm. all that. In fact, I think it's absolutely necessary as a recipe to your overall happiness and success in life. You need to have the ability to unwind, to stop, to to basically recover and purify, like you were saying, purify your being. Mm -hmm. But at the same time. If you're too extreme in that one or you're too passionate about one side of the spectrum, mm -hmm. you're going to meet with challenge. If you're too passionate about the right side, like you said, the material mm -hmm. side, you're going to meet with the challenge of always being attached to everything and being reactive to your environment. Mm -hmm. If you're too attached to the left side, then you violate something that Marcus Aurelius said um, in book two of Meditations where he talks about the five ways in which the soul does damage to itself. Interesting. And number five is to move without aim or purpose. Well, you're not giving me all five here? No, I'm uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just I can give you all five. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, but go on. But, but, but number five is, is the you know, move without aim or purpose, right? Mm -hmm. that, and, and to neglect that sense and just kind of be floating around and mm -hmm. doing whatever is pleasurable that's and indulging, soul, that's, it's damaging to the soul, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There needs to be something meaningful that we're moving towards. Um, so mm -hmm. I'll give you all five since, <laughs> since you asked, but basically the, the five ways in which the soul does damage to itself uh, with Marcus Aurelius is number one, anytime that you see yourself as separate from nature. So one of the things mm -hmm. to remember about Stoicism is that stoicism inner peace is found when you align with nature. That's when you be, have a tranquility of mind. To see yourself separate from nature is, is to deny 
your rational and reasonable capacity to think. Because the thing that separates us from animals is the fact that we can be rational and reasonable and we can actually use our cognitive abilities. Mm -hmm. uh, number two is to uh, basically to deliberately cause harm or neglect the greater good of your fellow man, right? To, to basically go against the, the best interests of somebody else. And, and no, no integrity in a way. Right, yeah, like mm -hmm. violating integrity. Uh, number three is to essentially not be overpowered by pain or pleasure. So, which is a way of saying, don't be overpowered by negative or positive emotions. Yeah. Right, because the oh, negative that's ones- That's so good. Yeah, the negative ones is indulging and it's, you know, it's shrinking of your soul, but the positive ones is like, that's, that's when you're in those passionate states where you're like really mm -hmm. attached. Or if you do have a success, <clears> like, celebrate it but don't like over celebrate it because then you're Absolutely. always going to feel like coming back to work is like coming down from something yeah it's like whoa hang hang on being in that state of work was what got you there Correct. so you should be able to be in that state peacefully which is why you gotta right? love the process and mm -hmm. then number four is to uh, deliberately deceive or engage in any form of of deception with someone else like to to be Deliberately, De yeah. deliberately dishonest or deceptive to, to another person in order for your selfish gain, which is basically what happens when you're overpowered by pleasure. When we're overpowered by pleasure, we'll do things that will deceive somebody else. Totally. And then number five, like we said before, not having an aim or sense of direction where you're going. Mm -hmm. So those are the ways in which the, the soul does damage onto itself. And I feel like if you're extreme on any one of those paths, you're gonna engage in both of those things. Yeah. And you come back to that middle path and you have the non-attachment, but you're still on a path somewhere mm -hmm. with a sense of purpose and having the ability to not validate yourself based on the, the end goal or the outcome, that's when you've, you've really started to find a way to create fulfillment on a regular basis, to create that inner peace on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So Definitely. Absolutely. So before we wrap up uh, this this episode, I mean, I, I feel like we could keep going for hours, but yeah, we'll stay in integrity with the surface here. Yeah, absolutely. We'll stay in integrity with the with the format that that we have here. But um, before we wrap up, oh, one thing that I wanted to ask you, for you in these last several years of entering businesses, starting businesses, what has been the one most important lesson that you've learned that you will, in absolutely teach your kids one day. <sighs> Oh, when you have man. kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's tough. There's so many important lessons. Um, I think it would just be to like, oh, it's such a cheesy cliche thing to say, right? But like really just enjoy the process of whatever you're doing, like you just said it earlier. I think like also just like, you, cre you are gonna be the creator of everything that you do. So like really trust, learn, build that relationship with yourself, trust yourself, get mm -hmm. to a point where you're not having battles with yourself. Mm-hmm. Having battles with others might be inevitable sometimes. Mm -hmm. You might, you know, like someone might not do something they said they were going to do, or someone might lie and deceive you, or, you know, and then you might feel like you need to lie and deceive them to get a one up or something. Like, you need to be so developed. I would say the self development part of it is mm -hmm. huge if you want to start a business. And I feel like too many people just start businesses mm -hmm. because they come into money or they think that they can start a business but they don't have any of the actual people or self-development skills. Yes. Um, I would also say like surrounding surroundings, mm -hmm. like, um, like most start startups, they come out of environments mm -hmm. or most like geniuses, artists come out of environments. Like we give the artists a lot of credit. Yes. Like we'll say like, Oh, look at this. Like one of my favorite artists is Bowie. And it's like, Oh, look at that. But like, you forget, like he's the best, but like, yeah, like look at the environment he came out of, mm -hmm. you know, it was like a brewing pot. 
right? Like Lou Reed was coming out of there, Iggy Pop, like the same New York mm -hmm. kind of environment. Like uh, Andy Warhol, right? Like was there like in that environment. Like you forget that like the environments that you're in create you or give you that fuel to like, yes. right? So like that would, if you said, if I can like talk to my previous yeah. self or my kid, you said yeah, my yeah. future kid. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it would just be less talking too. I think for kids, like you just show them through action, mm -hmm. right? Like don't like eat junk that. food as the father yeah, yeah, takes as you... a bite of his potato chip. You know, like, like yeah, that definitely won't work. <laughs> you know, like I will just show like who you surround yourself is very important. Mm -hmm. You know, make and, and and you don't want to accidentally ever just wake up one day and be like, who am I surrounded around? Mm -hmm. What am I doing? And it's like almost waking up from like a slumber. Yes, I think like that wake up for me just happened earlier. Yes. It just happened at like 18 or 19. Yeah. I won't get into the reasons. It's a very, we won't get into the yeah. reasons why. That's for another uh, <laughs> another episode. That's for another uh, episode. But um, I think that's important, you know, because yes. some people have those wake-up calls, but they have it at like 30 mm -hmm. or 40, right? Yes. Or et cetera, right? So, yeah. Excellent. I would say being able to wake up, look at look introspectively at yourself, reflect of your surroundings, who you're surrounding yourself with, and then mm -hmm. enjoying the process of what you're doing because when you have that end goal, mm -hmm. that end goal you can't take with you, you know, so you might as well hope, like hopefully enjoyed the way there. Yes, 100%. Right? Like, I, and I love, I love that you ended on that because, you know, enjoying the process and loving the process is, is, it is the name of the game. In Zen, it is talked about how practice is the goal. If you can find a practice that you love and that you enjoy mm -hmm. and that fulfills you, then ultimately you've won before you've even gotten an outcome. Yeah. So I think that's a really important piece. So uh, real quick before we wrap up, yes. where can they find you online? Oh, uh, uh, yes. Uh, you can find it at uh, Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's Daydream, just Daydream. Um, www.drinkdaydream.com. Mm -hmm. um, those are our two main, okay. main ways to get in touch with us in order to check out the product and check out what we're doing. Awesome. Dude, you should, like, I'm so happy that you're doing this for people that you're giving this back to people, especially these philosophical concepts, because a lot of people, unless maybe they took a philosophy course or like get into this mode of thinking, that you can go a whole lifetime, mm -hmm. you know, without these concepts. So what you're doing for people is huge. Like it's Thank great. You. Yeah, man. Thank you, man. And there will be a future one day when like literally, maybe this is just really nihilistic, but where the government and all the things are like they're burning the books, kind of like Fahrenheit. Yes. And people won't even be able to access these kinds of concepts. And mm -hmm. I hope they always stay like in terms of like stoicism, Zen, and mm -hmm. and uh, these are so important. So what you're doing is like, thank you. You know, man. it's it's huge. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate I you being it. on, man. It's been yeah. an honor having you, Alex. Yeah, yeah. Thank yes, you, man. Sir. Cool. Wait, wait, before you go to the next podcast, listen, if you want the daily updates, Zen Stoic Mastery page on Facebook, go like that. And if you want to link up on the Instagram, it's Zen Stoic underscore V.